Hello and welcome back to the Sophos Naked Security Podcast. I'm Anna Brady and I'm here with Sophos experts, Mark Stockley. Hello. And returning guest, Matt Boddy. Hello. Hi, Matt. Hi, Matt. Hello. Um, as usual, we've handpicked the top three stories for the week that we've written about on Naked Security to discuss on the podcast. Coming up on today's show, Matt discusses more sneaky Android apps. Mark talks about a mysterious black box and I'll be talking about a fingerprint scanner that opens with any fingerprint. Before we get into the show, I just wanted to thank anyone who sent comments about our special podcast about social media. One commenter, friend of the show, Michael Curtis, said the chat about staying safe on social reminded him of when he had a CB radio when he was younger. Wow. His mum said he couldn't meet anyone on it. I remember so it CB like radios. Wait, well, I, I, I never had one, but I remember you used to see cars with these preposterously large aerials driving oh, around like, like, like dodgems. I don't remember CB radios. <laughs> but I do remember casually chatting to anyone on AOL. Yeah. There yeah. wasn't really sort of... MSN. Very, very similar a- to MSN, CB, AOL, similar. I- yeah. IM was... Did you speak to anyone on MSN, though? I yeah. just spoke to my All friends. All my friends were on MSN. No, but like randoms oh, on AOL. Oh, no, no, no. That was just... chat roulette. Oh. <laughs> well, less said about that, the better. <laughs> Isn't that video, too? If ever, if ever a service was misnamed, <laughs> it's chat roulette, isn't it? I think it's, exactly, it started it's out, absolutely appropriate. When it started out, it was very innocent. Was it? I don't know if it still exists. I've never heard anybody say I had a really good conversation on yeah. chat roulette. There were, there were chatting video? was amazing. It, it is video. And there were, mm. there were times where people would dress up as a normal person and then suddenly they'd reveal they were actually <laughs> Batman. Really? Things Did they like also reveal other things? I mean, there was a lot of revealing of other things as well. Interesting. So we need we need a bit of time, guys. Steal yourselves. <laughs> Especially you, Mark. <laughs> Today is a sad day because Matt and Ben are leaving Sophos and therefore leaving the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I want to see tears from both of you, please. Good, good luck with that. <laughs> I don't think I've cried since Have you met 20- Anna? <laughs> 2001? 2001. I think the last time I cried. <laughs> it's that Titanic sort of time. No, that was 99. Don't talk to me about that. That was a sad <laughs> That was a sad year. <laughs> yeah, no, that was probably upsetting. Do you know, actually, Mark, your wife, who is a close personal friend of mine, finds it amusing that the, actually the only thing I do cry at is X Factor. <laughs> you put a bit of O-Town over, over some sorry, sad story. It just gets me going. I don't think anyway. you can single her out as being uniquely... In- <laughs> Puzzled by that. Yeah. Anyway, Matt, do you... Uh, have you got any kind of speech prepared for us? Well, uh, no. Is there anyone you'd like to thank, Matt? Yeah. Is there any, any Hi. I don't know. Hi. Is there a, a thanks? Uh, just before you go, uh, maybe. Can't think of uh, anyone. Any, anyone here? Hi. Hi. On the top Hi. of my tongue, there's, uh, there's just nobody anyone? that I can think of. Oh. Yeah, but thank you to all the listeners, I guess, oh. for listening to me talk. Oh, all the fans. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah. All I, think you should, fans. I think you should thank Teresa. Teresa def- definitely deserves a special thanks because she's Teresa Jamone. Yeah. yeah. So we need to decide what we're going to do with the animated characters of uh, Matt and Ben. Well, I think we should ask Harry. I bet he's got some ideas. <laughs> he's, he's, he's already shipped out the... Matt, uh, I hate to tell you, yeah. he has already taken your photos out of the frames. And when I told him that maybe he should have waited until after your last podcast, I said, where are the pictures? And he looked at me kind of with a sorry face and said, in the bin. I've already been placed in the bin. <laughs> I can <laughs> see some empty photo frames. Have you um, bought us any sort of leaving... Gifts, parting gifts. Oh yeah, I'm looking forward to my gift. Yeah, what, what, have what, have us? what have you no, got? What have you I've got. Yeah, you'll get them at the end of the day. Is this like my birthday present? Because it was in August and I'm still waiting. <laughs> it's still on order from Amazon. Is it? Yeah, oh, we're still waiting it's for funny, it. Funny the delivery Amazon times famously in Amazon. Slow and yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You should uh, think about getting Prime. Yeah, I really need to order. That. <laughs> 
package. <laughs> um, so thanks, Matt. I look forward to that. On to our next section, um, which we've christened Mark. The Wisdom of Elon. No, I'm not having Elon on here every week. It's the Wisdom of Mark. No, it's Mark's Thought of the Week, but because Mark is... Uh, <laughs> Because Mark is. If anybody has got a, if anybody's got a good name for this section of the podcast, if you just like to, I really mention like the, it on Twitter. Wisdom and easy, wisdom write and in an email to tips at selfhost.com. Why do we want to talk about Elon Musk every week? Well, because week? when you first introduced it, it was Elon Musk. Yeah, we're not we're not talking about Elon Musk. Right, every we're going to call it's just it called the Wisdom of Elon. I wanted to call it Mark's Thought of the Week. My concern with calling it Mark's Thought of the Week is that routinely you are late for the podcast recording every single week. <laughs> so we'll call it Thought of the Week, but it will be unofficially Mark's Thought of the Week because it's always you that's got the thoughts. So shall, I, shall I release my thought okay. unto the world? Okay, so your story today, I'm not going to let the cat out of the bag, but your story concerns nope. an Android there. phone. Mm-hmm. And as you really, you know, the, the, the world is sort of evenly divided between Android users and iPhone users. Yes. Or, basically, you're probably in one of those two camps. And so we were looking yesterday to see what the market share was um, across the world and in the UK and the US. And it's about 50-50 in the UK and about 50-50 in the US. And this is the way that technology kind of breaks down generally, that, that often somebody becomes the dominant player. Mm. So if you work in an office, you probably use Microsoft Windows and you probably use Microsoft Office. Uh, Windows, uh, so Microsoft recently uh, basically gave up producing their own uh, browser rendering engines and now they're going to use the engine from Chrome. Um, so Chrome is a massively dominant browser. Its rendering engine is used in a bunch of other browsers. So they're kind of cornering the market. And Microsoft's uh, spin on this was, well, this is great for security because you've got all the great Google engineers and all the great Microsoft engineers Mm. all working on the same thing, all trying to make it as secure as possible. But it also means that you end up with a monoculture where if something is found to be wrong with that piece of software, almost every web browser in the world will be affected. Uh, and the same is true wherever you look. So, you know, if you look at uh, virtual machine vendors, if you look at uh, content management systems for websites, if you look at web servers, so Apache was the dominant web server for years and years and years. Um, WordPress is far and away the most uh, dominant content management system. Mm. And it just made me wonder what you guys think about this trend towards monocultures that happens in technology and whether or not it's a good thing or a bad thing for security. I think it's a good thing that's all i have to say on the matter (laughs) (laughs) why do you think it's a good thing no i do i think it's a good thing because then if a bug gets found if a bug gets found in that in that piece of software then it's widely known about and it is going to be it's much more likely to get patched quickly Mm. whereas if you've got lots and lots of tiny applications then it's much less likely you're going to get bu- those bugs discovered in that those applications or mm. those 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 services that you're using and even if they do get discovered you wouldn't be as aware to the fact that they've been fixed whereas if there's a bug discovered in Google Chrome that affects all of us you're going to find out about it mm. and you're going to be certain to patch it that's my argument surely it's sort of half good and half bad because if there is a bug like a serious bug in something, mm. very bad because it affects most people, but then it's good because there's only one thing to update, one thing to keep safe. I don't know. Well, you- I, I, it probably depends what the thing is and it probably depends how good that thing is at updating mm. itself. So, uh, you know, a monoculture in the Internet of Things or some critical system yeah. in the Internet of Things, which is famously bad Just at some updating security itself. in the Internet of Things would be nice. <laughs> 
Um, but as, if I recall correctly, there, there are 13 root domain servers in the DNS system around the world. Right. And it's it's part of the infrastructure for that is that they're not all allowed to run the same bit of resolver software. So they can't all run bind, for example. They have to have a mixture so that there's some redundancy in the system if some terrible problem cropped up. And that always struck me as a, as a very good idea. Monocultures mm. make me very nervous. I mean, if you look at nature, you see the same thing. Like every every few decades, our entire banana crop fails because all bananas are clones. All the commercially grown bananas are clones. Oh. And so eventually some disease crops up that kills Mm. that strain of banana and we have to go and find another one in the wild and cultivate that and then repeat the process yep. so there you go the wisdom of bananas <laughs> the wisdom of Mark so on to story one if you've installed an app on your phone which is doing something that you don't like or that you no longer need it's pretty simple to delete it you just press on the icon and then remove it but Sophos Labs found it's not always that easy you might not even know you've got the apps on there in the first place Matt can you take us through the story yeah, so so let's focus on one of these apps that's been causing this problem. Um, this this app's called uh, Free Calls and Messages. Oh. Sounds Ooh, legit. Sounds good. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you get free. Is calls this like and your messages. get me some chat free calls again? Yeah, yeah, it's just <laughs> free calls like, from girls. Just like but this one's actually calls. about conversations. Oh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so this app has over one million downloads on the Google Play Store, and uh, that's that's one million download over one million downloads on the Google Play Store worldwide. And what happens when you install this app, it straight away pops up to say that the app is not a, not compatible with your device, which is a little toast notification. So it looks like a kind of system notification uh -huh. on your device. Um, it then hides itself from view and actually opens up the Google Play Store into Google Maps. How does it hide oh. itself from view? That sounds like that should be difficult. Yeah, no, 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 no. So it just opens up an intent to the Google Play Store, which immediately hides itself. So, so of course, if so you put an it, app it's open, put something in front of in front of itself. itself yeah. yeah, yeah. And that that thing that is put in front of itself is the Google Play Store, yeah. which is open to uh, Google Maps. When you then go back into your list of apps on your phone, the app icons disappeared, which I think is what what you're getting at. Is yeah, that yeah. should be difficult. Mm. Hiding your app icon or getting rid of the app icon. So people think that they've installed. So they install. They think they've installed an app for their. So they're looking, and they yeah. can't see the app anymore. Yeah, yeah. So then, what what do they do then? So so they're just assuming that it's not worked. Well, the 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 app company is trying to hope that they'll forget about it. Right. Okay. Because actually, what the app's going to be doing in the background is just displaying random adverts and generating money off the back of that. Okay. Now, realistically, what this app is doing is it's using something called CoolLib uh, to hide the app icon. With CoolLib, it's an external package you can import into Android, and it allows people to set a timer and then get rid of the app icon from the screen to make it disappear, basically. Um, people have previously used um, similar techniques, but instead of getting rid of the icon, they've just named it something that would be relatively inconspicuous. People have previously changed the main activity of an Android app to, to hide as, as, as something something else. Um, Instead. What's the main activity? Uh, main activity in Android is is the the what what your um the, what your app opens as. So they've actually put in an alias there instead to okay. make it appear as something else. Oh, I see. Uh, so there, there's there's one case within this story it is, uh, yeah, where where they put in an alias to make it look like it's called something else. So it looks as if it's a it's got an alias that appears to be like an Android system package, for instance. Oh, uh, okay. Mm. So th this this particular app, CoolLib, just hides itself in the background. It just appears as if it's not there. Many users have then just gone and tried to do the right 
thing by reporting the app to the Google Play Store by reviewing it badly, giving it one star yep. and saying um, this is a bad app, basically. Um, but but it doesn't stop the fact that there are 15 of these types of app that we have discovered alone, mm. which suggests that this probably isn't the end. No. There's probably going to be a lot more apps out there that try to do this sort of thing mm. just to generate revenue um, through an easy means. By It's one thing to leave a review. I wonder how many of those million yeah. downloads have actually resulted in a, mm. an uninstall. Yeah. So how do you uninstall? If you can't do the, um, you know, was you hold the icon, don't you, and then yeah. it vibrates, and yeah, and then you get well, a that's, minus. That's how it works on an iPhone, and that's I think that that's what on Android they've tried to take that across from an iPhone mm. to the to Android to the Android platform to make it similar as similar as possible, um, so that it's easy to switch. Uh, either way. So if you but, so we but we're assuming that most people well they wouldn't be doing that because they wouldn't know it was there. So most people have probably just got it running in the background without even realizing. Yeah. But the the way to uninstall it is you can actually just do it through the settings. So okay. rather than uninstalling it from your home screen or from your app tray, your the, the tray of apps where you've got a list of all of them, you mm-hmm. can go into your settings, look through all of your apps and just click uninstall. Same place where you can change permissions to apps as well. So if you're used to uninstalling apps that way, mm. there's kind of no problem, but yeah. if you're used to doing if you if you kind of imagine that the icon is the app yeah then suddenly you've got no way of that you know of 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 deleting this exactly but but because most people aren't even going to know it's on their phone yeah is what should people be doing to check Should, should they go into their settings is there a list of apps that they can check you should be aware of this is on your phone because it's displaying ads randomly all the time so if you have got pop-ups of ads displaying on your phone constantly yep Go into your list of apps, see if there's anything unusual before completely wiping your phone and just try and find it and uninstall it. Okay. There. Sound advice. So if it's just showing ads, does that is that actually malware? It's difficult to say. It's kind of a grey area, kind mm-hmm. of similar to the, the fleeceware apps that we spoke about a few podcasts ago. Mm-hmm. Um, now, it's kind of just staying on the right side of, of the Google Terms and Conditions in order to get into the Google Play Store in yeah. the fact that, that it probably, um, the app, well, the app does have some functionality and it it, it, it does just display ads to you. Um, the problem the problem is where it probably stays on the bad side of the Google Google's Terms and Services is the fact that it advertises itself as a, uh, this, this one particular example, it advertises itself as a calls and messages app when actually you can't make any free calls and messages from it mm. from the sounds mm. of things. Yeah. Um, so that's where yeah, it malware. probably will yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's where it's probably probably malware, yeah, yeah, exactly. Whereas the others other examples that we've introduced here are things like uh, very similar to to the fleeceware examples where they're QR readers, image editors, backup utilities, for instance. It's always the same stuff, isn't it? It's always similar stuff yeah. because a QR reader is just using the com- camera functionality. That yeah. would be really easy to make. And therefore they can actually offer you a genuine app that is a QR reader, but then just introduce this really random, weird adware where it just pops up ads um, all of the time. And they don't have mm. to put any effort into that bit. You right, know, just okay. pick up some third-party code for a QR yeah. reader. and Probably find some on GitHub and then yeah. just put all of their effort into creating this weird adware where so it generates them as much revenue as possible. They're, mm. just trying, they're just trying to walk up right up to the line, aren't they? Or just slightly over the line. Yeah. Just either... Either hope they can argue the case, or more likely, I suspect, hope that Google doesn't notice. Because mm-hmm. obviously, you know, the Play Store's got its own sort of uh, gating procedure for yep. stopping bad things getting onto the Play Store. So you, you, they tend to do a pretty good job of blocking 
like out and out malware, but you the stuff that Sophos Labs picks up does seem to be it's adware or it's forms of ad fraud or something like that. The things that it's very difficult, I guess, for automated processes to mm. to pick up. Yeah, yeah, because because you wouldn't really at least we're not speaking about applications at the moment where mm. they're installing a malicious app and that malicious app is listening at random bad times to to conversations and getting your location all the time. We're talking about something getting displayed on your screen, which is a bit of an annoyance, and mm. you can, you can uninstall this app. So it's 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 the better of two evils in a way when it comes to malware. Yeah, but you still um, don't want it, do you? But you don't want it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You definitely mm. don't want it. Cool. Cool. Thanks, Matt. And Thanks. last, your last, your last segment. Yeah. Wish me well. I'm not going to cry, Anna. No, I'm, I'm not going to cry. It doesn't matter how many times you say Don't that. Mark probably will. Yeah. He's a bit emotional. <laughs> Anna won't oh. cry unless I have a sob story like they do on X Factor. If you put a boy band soundtrack <laughs> over this, I will definitely <laughs> cry. Anna's can you do that? Weeping. <laughs> I thought you said you haven't cried since 2011, yet you cry to X Factor. There haven't been any good acts on X Factor since 2011. <laughs> It's 2001, I think. Yeah. I don't when know. Was One Direction on? Oh, I don't know. Oh, okay. Nor do I. Nor do I. <laughs> Are you a fan? No. Okay. So on to story two, Mark. Um, we wrote about a story this week that, I surprising to me, actually blew up in terms of how many people were visiting it and reading it. Um, you're going to talk us through it, but I presumably am. you're going to start with a question? I am going to start oh with a question. Goodness. How did you know? So my question to you both is, have you got anything in your life that you think is probably rubbish, but you're too scared to throw out? Um, I bet you have. I do live in a house with a cellar that is floor to ceiling <laughs> full of boxes and stuff that probably needs to go out. But there, there are a couple of boxes that I just move with every house move. Are they there because you're actually afraid to throw them out? Or do you, I think I do you like them. having stuff? I actually don't, can't be bothered to go through them. I've got a stuff drawer. It's just where I put old cables. Oh, yeah, cable drawer. Mm. Got to have a cable drawer. Actually, yeah. no, cables is a good one because yeah. the cables, you, well, we might need that. Yes. Weird thing I don't recognise sure to connect some... to the other weird thing I don't recognise. I might need that old, the old Apple connector, you know, the yeah. really wide one, maybe, just in case I need to access my But you know you're going to end up with like 3. a king rat of five cables linking into yeah. it in order to get from where you <laughs> were five years ago to where you yeah. are now. I've got a lot of serial cables from old Cisco days. They I've could got, come back. Yeah, I've yeah. got a load of PS2 adapters. Oh. From, you know the uh, the old mouse and keyboard PS2? Yep. Yep. You never wow. know. Never know. Yeah. Kids, you used to have to plug your mouse into your computer. Imagine. Wow. Alice, the, Alice, the producer, has an exceptionally... She's got an ergonomic mouse, but it is the, a monstrosity. <laughs> it's the most ugly mouse I've ever seen. Can you please... With our hands. <laughs> when we're all in uh, physiotherapy, We all look like Smithers fun. out of Simpsons. <laughs> yeah, we will. <laughs> Alice, can we tweet? Alice, can we tweet a picture of it, please? Have you still got it? She did. I think she it mysteriously broke when I made fun of it, but it did definitely <laughs> broke. It wasn't that I made fun of it. It was like four ninety nine or that. <laughs> anyway, yes. So well, you? thank you. That was more revealing than I could ever have hoped. <laughs> so my Achilles heel is keys. I've got a set of key hooks in my kitchen with what looks like about 100 keys on them. Mm. 
and I think I probably use about three of them. And I reckon I could posit, I could probably positively identify maybe what five of these keys do. And the rest of them, I'm, I'm quite sure they're rubbish, but I'm too scared to throw them out. <laughs> and I, I, most of them came from the last time I moved house. So they probably, if they ever opened anything at all, it was probably in my well, old house. You could house. just pop back to your old house, see if you can get in. <laughs> <laughs> So I don't actually know what it is I think that these things are going to open, um, but I'm sure it's vitally important, so I'm not going to throw them out just in case. Yeah. Anyway, it's not just me and it's not just you guys either, and it's also not just houses. Apparently, this kind of thing also happens on ships quite a lot. Ooh. And how do we know this? Well, we know this thanks to the good people at Pentest Partners. So Pentest Partners are penetration testers and they do a great sideline in really interesting yeah. penetration test articles. Um, and they wrote one recently, uh, which wonderfully illustrates how this sort of risk aversion that we're talking about can actually be really bad for your security. And it happened on, of all places, a ship. So the penetration testers were combing this ship as part of a penetration test, and they discovered a mysterious black box plugged into the ship's network. The box wasn't labelled, and the wires leading into it weren't labelled either. There's no invoice for this black box and it wasn't on any inventories. Oh. And nobody on the shore had any idea that this thing even existed. Wow. Meanwhile, while Shoreside were completely oblivious to this box, everybody on the vessel itself actually thought that Shoreside had installed it. Right. So Classic. Yeah. Now, the, the box was plugged into the ship's business network, uh, but it was also plugged into a console on the bridge. And there was a second network connection and an RS232 serial converter connected to that, leading to another cable that disappeared into the deck. So good luck tracing that cable. Mm. Painstakingly, Pentest Partners, they go through each connection trying to figure out what they can do. Can they unplug it? If they do, will they break the ship? Can they sniff the traffic without unplugging things? Can they trace the cables? Where do they go? And through this kind of painstaking detective work, they figure out that the data on the wire seems to have something to do with the engine. And they trace the cable 11 decks down and find it connected to the ship's main engine, which, mm. in case you're wondering, is bigger than a house. Whoa. Okay? So these engines are pretty serious pieces of kit. So mm. they're very expensive if they break, and when they go bang, they go bang with a big bang. Yep. At the other end, remember, this box is connected to a Windows machine in the bridge. Now, nobody is paying very much attention to this Windows machine in the bridge because it's covered up. And the reason it's covered up is that systems on ship bridges are supposed to be able to dim so they don't ruin the crew's night vision. And this console didn't dim. So in what I think is a metaphor for all corporate IT everywhere, they dealt with the problem by just throwing a cover over it. <laughs> Well, that Windows machine was long unpatched and it was also running TeamViewer. I know a thing or two about TeamViewer. Tell us mm. about TeamViewer, Matt. TeamViewer is quite similar to RDP. Oh, so RDP is the remote RDP? desktop protocol. RDP is indeed the remote desktop protocol. And as Anna just referenced, there is a great <laughs> website <laughs> telling you all about RDP. Is it sophos.com slash RDP? Exactly. Yeah. Oh, for the very yeah. last time. Yeah. Although it's not RDP because TeamViewer is its own remote desktop function, but it's a way of remotely getting onto a machine to support it and make any config changes you need. It, need right. It, okay. It. So I think the key word there was remote. Mm. So that's the thing. So we've got this black box. It's connected to the ship's engine 
And it's also got TeamViewer, which means that it can be connected to remotely from someone who's not on the ship. Which means that the ship's house size engine appears to be remotely accessible via a box which is probably vulnerable to a bunch of different exploits and also has a handy remote mm. administration um, bit of software uh, installed on it as well. Now, the good news, if there is any in this story, is that it turns out the box was actually put there legitimately for monitoring the fuel and engine efficiency of the ship by a third party some years before, but it had been left running after the agreement for that had ended, which oh, is why wow. everybody was oblivious to what it was for. Well, just in case you were hoping to sleep well tonight, I'm going to read you the first line from the Pentest Partners oh. article, which said, We Pentest a variety of vessel and platform types across different fleets and operators. In every single test to date, we have unearthed a system or a device that of the few crew that are aware, nobody could tell us what it was for. And I'm pretty sure that listening to this podcast, there are a bunch of people up and down the country, mm. and probably up and down every other country too, who work in corporate IT departments with boxes and bits of code that were installed by somebody who's long gone and didn't leave any documentation and didn't put it on the inventory. And nobody's quite sure what they do, but everybody's quite sure they do something mm. and nobody has the time to find out what it is or exactly what they do. Uh, and they all think it's somebody else's responsibility. Nobody wants to be the person who turns that thing off. No. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is a security problem. Oh, wow. Because that means that if you walk in with a nice high-vis jacket and a black box and you plug it into the server room, there's a good chance that everybody's going to think it's somebody mm. else did it and it's quite normal for things to be kind of off the inventory and, and unaccounted for. Yeah. So, Matt, have you ever come across systems like that? Yep. Yep, I found the trick was to switch them off for 24 hours and find out who comes kicking and screaming. 24 ah. hours? Yep. <laughs> That's the way to do it. I thought I found five minutes is normally quite sufficient. Well, yeah, they're going to come kicking and screaming after five minutes if it's absolutely mission critical. But I found that most of the time that kit doesn't, it's not. Mm. <laughs> it's been sat there for years and maybe in a year's time somebody realizes that they want to use it again at which point they need to go through the proper process of actually invent putting something in the inventory getting something in there officially it just goes to show though the, the uh how how much the basics how how important the basics really are like just knowing what kit you've got is so important mm. you know you can spend all of your time worrying about kind of advanced threat protection and things like that but if you don't know which boxes you've got yeah then you know You've got a problem. So we've got no actionable advice. Well, we have. Look, check all your black boxes, your mysterious black boxes, especially if Go you're into on a the ship. server room, have a good look round. And if you're worried, turn it off. And if you think there's something in there that belongs the to someone to else, yeah. go and ask them. <laughs> Unless you work in a hospital, don't go turning stuff off there. Yeah, don't, don't pull the plug. So on to story three, and this one's uh, courtesy of me. Um, this story is all about a lock screen bypass on Samsung's flagship S10 and Note 10 smartphones. Mm. It's sort of a lock screen bypass. It's more like a pass or an open door. <laughs> Comes courtesy of the £2.70 screen protector. So this, I saw this in the sun because, you know, <laughs> my high quality you know, reading materials. reading, yeah. 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 Um, uh, which is, for anyone that doesn't know, is a UK, one of the UK's top tabloids, and they like a bit of a scandalous story. So I'm going to sort of read, I'll tell you this story uh, with a sun twist. <laughs> Lisa Nielsen, 
bought a screen protector on eBay to protect her brand new Samsung S10. Sensible. Mm-hmm. Um, so for those that don't know, because it's the sun, uh, screen protectors are those sort of plasticky things you stick in front of the phone to stop the screen getting smashed. She set up one of her fingerprints on her right hand, but discovered she could also use her fingers on her left hand to unlock the phone. She was shocked. <laughs> I bet she was. Shocked. Capital letters, all caps. Yes. Shocked, all caps. So Lisa, mum of two, 34, asked husband Wes, 34, to try his fingers himself. His fingers? <laughs> <laughs> the spelling in the sun has really, it's really gone downhill, hasn't it? <laughs> it's just me not being able to speak. So, he tried, so he, tried to, he tried his fingers and lo and behold, he managed to open the phone too. Oh dear. So then Lisa, undeterred, went to see her sister. And guess what happened? She asked her sister to try it, and her sister could access her phone too. To underline the issue, and to sort of, you know, so you could see the gravity of it, um, the papers included some pictures of Lisa and her husband, Wes, both holding one phone with their fingers on the phone, just to sort of show what they were doing, in case anyone didn't know what had happened. Um, <laughs> so this is the phone, and this is the button I pressed, yes, and here's the and finger I used to press. Yeah, looking a bit glum. We're very upset about this. Yeah. yeah. So Samsung has confirmed this is an issue and said, we're investigating it and we'll be dis- deploying a software patch soon. We encourage any customers with questions or who need support downloading the latest software to con- contact us directly. So how did it happen? Samsung uses Qualcomm ultrasonic technology for its fingerprint sensor, which is embedded under the screen. It then measures the sound waves caused by the pressure of a user's finger to analyse the fingerprint. However, if you cover the screen with a protector, especially one that you paid £2.74 on eBay, it could, in some circumstances, create a tiny air gap that could interfere with the sound waves and open up the phone. But that's not the only Android authentication-related issue we've written about this week. It turns out that the Google Pixel 4 can be unlocked without the user's eyes open. So potentially, you could be snoozing when your nosy partner has a little roam around your phone, or you could possibly, um, your ch- your child could use it to un- um unlock and use whatever naughty apps they're not so just to be, be clear this phone uses face recognition yes because you can normally open a phone with your eyes shut if it uses a fingerprint <laughs> oh yeah that's a good point just thought i would clear that up for our listeners <laughs> <laughs> this is going well isn't it so google's acknowledged this um and in fact it says it on his help pages your phone can be unlocked by someone else if it's held up to your face even if your eyes are closed yeah, they were a bit meh about this, weren't yeah. they? Like, oh, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's a feature. It's a feature. You shouldn't need your eyes open. Although, actually, now it's saying it plans to fix the issue within the coming months. But in the meantime, advises people to use a pin or an unlock pattern. But that's not the only two stories. So we've written, those are the ones we wrote about this week. But it's a continued theme with this kind of authentic, either facial recognition, fingerprint authentication. Uh, there was the Nokia 9 PureView that was fooled by a chewing gum packet. That was a fingerprint sensor. And then the 3D printed fingerprint that unlocked a Samsung S10. Wasn't there a somebody unlocked an iPhone with a 3D well, model yeah, there of a was. head? Yeah, yeah, right. So this is continue. This is a continual theme. So what do you guys think? Should we just give up and go back to pins? I think it's just a matter of data points that these companies are collecting to allow you to authenticate. Right. Okay. Because realistically, if you're if you're using a fingerprint on your phone, what's to say that your fingerprint needs to be static? Perhaps there's some way that you're hand-shaped that, that means that when you swipe or something, your swipe is going to be mildly different to everybody else's. Mm. Your your fingerprint alone may not well be enough to be able to authenticate your you and your device. Perhaps people should start using fingerprint and face as well mm. at the same time. And, but I think doing those two things yeah, is pretty yeah. unobtru- unobtrusive to have both the phone facing you and your fingerprint on your phone. But the... 
I think the problem with the eyes being closed on the pic- on the new Pixel is probably, a, once again, a matter of data points. So mm. Google are looking for data points, perhaps your facial f- features, and then they didn't select your eyes as a part of those right, okay. those points which they're looking for on your on your phone yep. when they when they authenticate you. So so perhaps it's just part of this tweaking period, um, like a, a fingerprint in the actual screen of your phone is very, very new technology. Yeah. It's not just new technologies, it's new implementations of new technologies. So, I mean, with passwords, implementing a password authentication is fairly straightforward. But if you're going to do fingerprint authentication, you might have different hardware, different software behind the scenes. I mean, so there's been an awful lot of uh, churn in biometrics for decades. And it's only now that we're starting to zero in on things like FIDO2 authentication and mm-hmm. like standards for all the bits behind the scenes. And I do think as well that there's a degree of... Um, We've just got to get used to the idea that uh, password and pin authentication is binary. You either pass or fail. But anything where you're using a biometric, like a face or a fingerprint, there's a measure of... It's a probability that it's you. Yeah. It's It's not yes or no. It's, well, most likely. Yeah. And I think... So there is going to be a... A never-ending stream of false positive stories Mm. as this becomes the way that we do authentication. And the truth of it is that they're always backed up by a PIN or a passcode as well anyway. Yeah. Because it's not actually an absolute measure of authentication. Yeah. But, you know, two-factor authentication for the win. Mm. Back to the Samsung story. So what should users do? First of all, Samsung recommends that you should only ever use Samsung authorised accessories, which use special adhesives, which shouldn't interfere with the sound waves and therefore would remove the possibility of the gap. Alternatively, you could just turn off the fingerprint authentication and use a pin until the patch is made. Or just use a heavy glue between your cheap cover (laughs) and your Don't don't expect to get good quality when you buy a £2.70 screen protector on eBay. I really hope that they got any bug bounty out of Samsung for reporting this. Do you think they did? Judging by the photos in the sun... They they, didn't look that happy. Look like they just received. Otherwise, the they'd money. probably be holding a wad of cash. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Happy. yeah. Well, Samsung said, "Can you everybody report these to us in the future?" So I'm assuming they went straight to the Sun. I'm sure they did to Samsung, which yeah. then actually voids the bug bounty. Oh. So it turns out that everybody out there in the world doesn't know about bug bounties. Who no. knew? Strange. I've just Googled it on my phone. What? what? Mark's yeah. banned us from using our phones in the podcast studio. Matt, you know it puts him off. It does put him off. But at the same time, I found out that, is it Shirley? Lisa, 34, mum of two. Lisa, 34, mum of two. <laughs> just missed out on 200,000 US dollars. <gasps> if she responsibly disclosed this via the bug bounty programme. I'm oh sure no. the sun would match that. Could have won between $200 and 200,000 US dollars. Does it count as a bug? I suppose it does. If if you're using a, a two pound seventy screen protector from eBay that's not authorised by Samsung, still a bug. Yeah, of course it is. Hmm. Well, Lisa, you. What? Who knows how much the Sun paid? For to the be story? fair, I think actually from the way we're talking, Samsung have done a very good job here of sort of deflecting attention away towards this cheap screen protector. Yes. As if somehow that's you know rather than their fingerprint sensor embedded yeah. in their screen being unable to differentiate between. Uh, a phone with a cover and a phone with a cover with a slight air gap between mm. the screen and the cover. Uh, and that is, you know, presumably that's what they're going to fix in their patch. So they seem to be accepting some responsibility yeah. for this. I guarantee that cheap covers are going to be a part of their testing methodology in the future, though. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it makes you wonder as well if there are going to be people out there kind of running around with uh, cheap phone covers, <laughs> just sort of stabbing people's phones with their finger through a cheap cover to see if hard. they can unlock them. 
those plasticky covers are quite sort of hard to put on anyway. It takes aren't about they? half an hour to put on. Yeah. yeah. And then you've got all the ripples and stuff. I mean, I just don't use it. But I do drop, I mean, I regularly have to pay my insurance company a pre, uh, my uh, excess so that I can get my screen fixed. So maybe I should be using them. Yeah. I, I know in my heart that I should have a thick rubber cover on my mm. phone because of my propensity to drop stuff i've got a good website actually for you i'll show it to you it's, it's lovely jazzy cases but they're, but I, they're I special just, i it's my one sop to vanity i like looking at the phone in its raw state no. without this great pair of rubber pants on it Mark. thanks guys matt where can we find you on social media infosec body on instagram and twitter mark you can find me at mark stockley on twitter and also at internet of hens Oh, how many followers have you got now on Internet Events? Could be pushing 40. Wow. I'm at Anna Brady on Twitter and we are, of course, at Naked Security on Twitter and Instagram. If you liked our social media podcast, or even if you didn't, um, let us know if there's another subject you'd like, to, like us to take a deep dive on. Bye to Matt forever. Goodbye forever. I'm still going to be doing cybersecurity things, so please follow me. <laughs> follow me. And then you can get the first, <laughs> yeah. the first The inside scoop. Up. Anyway, bye, Matt. Bye. So bye. It's been, it's been bye. We will miss with you. you. It has genuinely been a pleasure. Do you have any reminiscences oh. that you want to share with us? Because you've I, been on the podcast a long time. Yeah, it's been a while. Before me. Yeah. Before you. Mm. Before you. Yeah. Before you were on the podcast. This is true. Yeah. That is a fact. You were on the podcast in series one where yeah. we recorded in that cave. Aww. Yeah. I with think one mic between the four of us all huddled, huddled around. around. The mic. I sort of imagine us in sort of coats. Yeah. Maybe like a woolly. We didn't need coats because we were so close to each other. Oh, that's <laughs> we true. just kept each other warm. And we had to stop talking every time someone walked down the stairs. <laughs> I really Hold en- on, guys. It's 5 30. I do enjoy. I think it was the the end of season one and possibly a part of the contribution to why it was the end of season one. Series one. Series one, sorry. Okay. But it, it was a part of why series one had to come to an end and it was the canned laughter episode. <laughs> <laughs> that where was we a laughed at the beginning, very fake laughing yeah. and... It was placed in at random points throughout the episode when I made terrible jokes just to take the mickey out of my bad jokes. Oh. When, <laughs> that, was when, that was when Alice was uh, just starting out. Yeah, yeah. right. This was Paul Durkling. <laughs> it, it was when the podcast was still good. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Oh. My personal Matt highlight was your 24 days of Mattmas when, uh, when you did yeah. the security tip a day dressed in different... <laughs> Christmas outfits. That was actually. I will forever a keep that close to my heart. Yeah. I, I want to know how you sold him on that. I, Matt, what we're going to do is we're going to go off into a room and I'm going to open a trunk full of elf outfits. <laughs> Matt, I've got a turkey hat. Can you wear it? I would do pretty much anything for a bet. <laughs> I would do pretty much anything for Anna. So, anyway, thank you. Thanks for all the memories. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs> Um, don't forget you can uh, search for us on Facebook search Naked Security and we'll be doing where we do our weekly Facebook live videos where Harry the intern is doing a sterling job he likes it when we call him that if you like our podcast please rate and review it and you could give Matt a little farewell review as well as long as it's good it helps other people to find us you can tweet us at Naked Security with suggestions or questions for the podcast or you can email us at tips at and until next time stay stay secure. secure bye Matt